Welcome back to the Wrong Advice Podcast. I'm your host, John Picciuto, and I'm very excited to have my good buddy, the one and only Mr. Joe Cardamone on with us today. Joe, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing well, John. Thanks for having me, man. Oh, so excited, dude. I'm, I'm really glad we were able to get you on the pod today. Can you give the listeners a quick introduction to who you are? Uh, yeah, sure. So, um, well, I'm Joe. Hey, no, I'm <laughs> so I'm a, I'm a photographer uh, based out of Maryland. Um, I'm also a father and uh, an actor. Uh, surprisingly enough. So uh, I got a lot of other stuff, but I'm assuming we're going to get into it. So I'll leave it at that for now. Yeah, no, I know. We uh, we met, geez, many, many, many moons ago in the <laughs> NFT space, which feels like a lifetime ago. Um, yeah. I have a uh, pre-reoccurring trope where, you know, the best part about the NFT space was the friends you make along the way, and I'm glad to be able to call you one of them. Um, tell me a little bit about, you know, your life, like how you got started with photography, you know, your path to where, you know, you got yourself sitting in front of me uh, for this podcast today. Yeah, it's, so I've been I've been creative. I mean, I think everybody's born creative, but I, I was drawing and stuff like my whole life, right, since I was a kid. Um, and my parents were always like super supportive of the creativity aspect. Right. But they were also like, so they were like, yeah, this is awesome. This looks great. Keep doing this. I was like, awesome. Cool. But then they were also of the old school mindset of like, but you got to get a real job. Like you still got to go to school. Like you can't, you know, art isn't really a thing you can do. Um, so they was like, it was a weird supportive, but not supportive. <laughs> um, so, you know, I did creative stuff my whole life. Um, got a bunch of nine to fives. And then in 2016, I got a, a Nikon, was it D thirty three hundred for Christmas, mm-hmm. and I was just going to use it um, to just photograph the kids. Like I wanted like a quote unquote professional camera, right, to take great photos, and I was just going to use it to document the kids, which I still do. But like that was the only reason I wanted it. And then I I did that and stuff, and it was cool. Uh, and then I realized very quickly, like I'm not a just straight like landscape photographer. Like I'm not just going to go out in the like fields and be like, Oh, look at this Vista and stuff. Right. <laughs> because like, for me, I don't have the eye for it. Um, like I'll go out and I'll be like, Oh my God, look at this field with all the stuff. And I'll take it. I'll be like, it's a tree. Like what am I doing? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so June of 2017, um, a couple of friends invited me down to Baltimore's pride parade. And I said, you know what? I'm going to go make pictures today. Like I'm actually going to go like with intent to be a photographer today. Mm-hmm. It's like what better space than surrounded by friends and celebration and stuff to like go capture moments. So that's when I consider myself like actually starting photography. Um, and surprisingly enough, man, like those are still some of my favorite photos. I know as, you know, artists, you look back on early stuff and you're like, oh, this is shit. And then, um, oh, I forgot to ask you. Can we, we can curse on here, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Fuck okay. is my favorite word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but so, uh, you know, I, I was like, there's still some of my favorite photos and um, there's a lot in between that's bad. But that's that's basically where I started photography is, is June of 2017. That's cool. But you mentioned like kind of growing up that it was something that you were interested in. Um, do you remember like what your first camera was? So, well, photography, like, it's funny because like that really never, that didn't enter my creative space until like 2015. Oh, like, I okay. never really even thought about it. And the only reason I thought about it is because I started acting first and a bunch of my friends were the tech the tech heads, right? Like they were the ones who were like, oh, we just got this new red camera. We want to play with it and all that stuff. And I, I'm not shy. So that's how I got into acting. I was like, oh, well, I'll, you know, I'll be in front of the camera. I don't care. Yeah. And so they were playing with their toys and I was discovering acting. But then while they were doing that, you know, because we were a small group, I got to like learn about lenses and, and depth of field and all this cool stuff. And I was like, oh, it's cool. I, you know what? It'd be, be kind of nice to have like a real camera. Um, and again, it wasn't even like, I'm going to be a photographer. It was like, oh, I'd like it 
because I've got ADHD. So like all shiny new things are like fun and exciting for me, right? Same. So I was like, yeah, so I was like, oh, cool new toy. Like I gotta have fun with, and also like you know capture capture moments with the kids. Um, that's that's how it came to be. And then I discovered like it hit me like a lightning bolt. Like that after that the prep grade, I was like, oh shit, like I love this. This is. This is part of me. Like I want to, I want to tell stories doing this. This is cool. Is there like a specific photo from that day that you can like look at and say this is the one that kind of like started it for me? Yeah, I, have, I just two of them actually. Um, so one of them is the first time I like tried composing a frame, um, and it's this, it's this, um, it's this guy probably in his sixties or so, and he's got these aviator sunglasses and like a leather like. It's not a cop hat, but you know, like the design, like the yeah. cop hats, but it's, mm-hmm. and he's got this huge cigar and he's smiling, walking by me, but behind him, somebody has blown bubbles. So there's three bubbles, like one over here, one over top of his head, one on the other side. And he's smiling at me with a cigar in his mouth and it's just framed so cool. And I've got like, I'm not reflected in his lenses. Like it's, I, I, I consider it one of my favorite photos because like I hit all the marks and I love the photo, right? So that one, and then one of them, another one was the, the leader for one of the marching bands. Um, so hot, and they were all ducked out in their uniforms. <clears throat> and he's got his whistle in his mouth, and he, it's a side shot, and he's got, like, one long thing of sweat coming down his face. Mm-hmm. And because the sun was behind him, he's he's backlit with, like, a ring light around his head, and although you can see some of the reflection of the, the sweat from his, from the, coming down, I was like, the, I was like oh, this is cool. Yeah. You know, it's kind of funny. I, I have like a very similar story. The first time I went out like with intent to create, uh, I got a photo of a guy like drinking coffee against, you know, somewhere in New York City. He was just posted up against a wall. But every time I think about my creative journey and like how I got here, I think of that photo. It sticks out so fresh in my mind like like i took it yesterday even though it was you know four or five years ago but it was very much like i can look back on it and say that was the photo that kind of started the obsession with you know street and documentary photography um and that sort of led me to where i am today which is which is pretty cool yeah that's awesome those those moments are so important to to like hold on to too right yeah it's wild how they they stay in your head like that too right like you just described exactly like the photo and it was uh, and me too right like that was seven years six six and a half years yeah. now, right like yeah. and i when i talk about them i can see them in my head like they're they're immediate mm-hmm. i so. know i think if i ever lose that feeling that i have for that photo mm-hmm. in general like that the process that went into it and the, the the feeling that i get in my gut when i look at it i think it'll be i'll know it's time to stop taking pictures but i don't i don't necessarily see that happening <laughs> yeah uh, yeah I'm super curious. You mentioned that like you were not really into like the whole landscape thing. Clearly your work is um, more people focused. Like you said, your kids, you do a lot of documentary style uh, music photography as well. Um, talk to me about sort of the process over the last six years, um, sort of developing who Joe is as a photographer, as an artist, and like what went into building uh, sort of your photographic style. Yeah. So I will say I, I do take occasional landscapes, mm-hmm. but not in the sense of everything. Like when you hear landscape, you think of like the mountains and stuff like, right. I, don't, I got kids. I don't, More I urban scapes. Yeah. I, can't, I, can't, I can't travel the world. Like <laughs> there's some fields and stuff I've got because I learned how to do it right now. But like, that's not my jam, right? Like when I go out to think about making photos, like I'm not like, oh, let me go to the field, right? Like it's like, oh, yeah. let me go down to the city, right? <clears throat> so honestly, when I look back on it and think about it, I think the how I like to create is opportunity. 
So the best way to describe that is, you know, you've got a bunch of people uh, who who shoot something very well and they've got their niche. And that's amazing. Like, I think it's great if you find something that you're passionate about and you stay curious and passionate about and you keep developing. That's awesome. I don't have a niche. I don't <laughs> I don't have something where I, if you said, all right, you can only shoot one thing today. I would probably just be like people. And that's too ambivalent to, or, you know, <laughs> to be like, well, what does that mean? It's like something with people in it. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but opportunity for me. So like when I go to make photos, um, we, we got a new skate park down in Baltimore, right? So I'll be like, oh, Ooh. I'm going to go to the skate park. That's it. Like I don't, in my head, I'm not, <clears throat> oh, I want to capture a kickflip and I want to, you know, tell a story about this person. But I'm going to the skate park because I know I'm, I know I'm going to make photos. Right. And if I know where I'm going, then I just allow whatever is there that I see as a photo in my head before I even pick up the camera mm. is is how I try to create on my own. Like client work and stuff is different. Right. Like you have. But like sure. for myself, it's it's opportunity based. So I want I like to put myself in places where I'll have opportunity to make photos. I actually really like that because it is completely opposite of what I do. Like, it's so funny. I, I, I love doing street photography. It's probably my biggest passion in life. Just whenever I get an opportunity to walk around and just mm -hmm. like take photos, like it's what makes me truly happy. It's not like commercially viable. I don't make money doing it. It's just something that I love, but I go out with absolutely no thought process at all. I'm just like literally going to fucking walk around, take pictures and see like what kind of, brings itself to me and i think it's very interesting that you have like a a bit of a departure um going somewhere with the intent of making photos i've always found when i'm trying to make something happen i fail but like when mm -hmm. i guess the opportunity aspect of things when it just sort of comes to me you know you get that image and you're like oh shit i can't believe like i took that photo like i can't believe that's mine like i think about that a lot sometimes when i look mm -hmm. at my stuff which i think is probably the most rewarding aspect of photography yeah yeah, no, that's a good point. Like, wow, I can't believe that's fine. Yeah, that's that's a, that's a good way to look at it. And yeah. yeah, the opportunity is more about like, just, it's about putting myself in a destination, right? Mm -hmm. So like I said, you go to the skate park, right? But it's also down at the harbor, in the inner harbor in Baltimore, right? So I don't go and let's say, let's say it's kids skate day. I'm not going to take photos of like kids skateboarding, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> so I, I hear it's just me. Yeah. But, so like, if I get there and that's happening, then guess what? I'm down at the inner harbor now. Mm -hmm. I'll be like, all right, let me walk around see what I can find. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's a lot of it, just like with everything in life is just about doing it. Right. Like for me, it's just about doing it. If I put myself out there and I'm going to capture often, I'm going to keep growing in my style. I'm going to find things that I wouldn't otherwise find if I had some kind of concrete idea in my head. And if I didn't get that concrete idea, then it's a wash and a failure and I go home. Right. Like, no, I don't, I don't think that way. Like I just put myself out there and say like, well, something else will come up or let's see what's around this corner. Yeah. No, I like that. There is a lot of intentionality in your work. I, you know, I spent a lot of time doing kind of a deep dive through a lot of your NFT work and your socials. Um, and what sort of blew me away is like, I can pick a Joe photo out of like yeah. the batch. Like I know, which I, which I think is something that I struggle with is like finding something that feels like me. But like when I was going through your work and if I like was able to compare it to other people's stuff, I could be like, that's a Joe photo, which I think is cool because you've gone through the process over the last seven years of developing a style and an artistic eye that 
is representative of like who you are and like what you're trying um, to articulate, which which I I struggle with at times, which I think is cool. Um, talk to me about how you were able to sort of do that. Like I, I know it's seven years in, you've been doing it long enough now that that sort of process comes more naturally to photographers. But what was it about developing this this sort of style and artistic vision that you have? Because I know sort of un- unusually for from a photography perspective is you shoot everything in black and white, right? Yeah, yeah. So. Um, so I'll just hit on that and I'll go back to your, but yeah, so I shoot because I have a mirrorless camera. Um, the viewfinder is also in black and white, which is really cool. Right. So <clears throat> I shoot in monochrome and because the viewfinder is in black and white, when I'm going to make the photo, I see the, the frame in black and white. And then the preview on the back is in black and white. And then when I import into Lightroom, I import using the camera settings. So it comes over in black and white. So even all the color photos you see, I don't see any of them in color period until I decide to be like, you know what, that was a pretty sunset. Let me make that color. Or I'm like, the sunset looks really cool in black and white or, you know, with people or whatever. So, um, yeah, so I shoot everything and it. That's part of my style in the sense that one of the things I like to try to do, and this is going to come off trying to sound shady, but I don't mean it shady. So <laughs> I don't want to use for me, I don't want to use color to tell a story. And I think that's, that can hinder me a little bit because color can be a great thing to tell a story. I see beautiful photos where like it's got this red piece in it and that's what draws you to the photo. And then you see the rest of the story and like, that's amazing. Right. But for me, if I see that and I say like, if I can't tell the story without that color, just the color is the only thing that's, that's composing this photo, making this a photo, then I don't want to tell it. Right. Mm. So, uh, so black and whites helped me to kind of do that. Um, it, it forces me to look at things differently. Um, literally different angles or just like, you know, this, this, if I'm going to capture this and just change it to color because it'll be pretty, then it's probably not for me. And again, sometimes I do that just because I like to create and do, you know, play around and have fun. But overall, that's, that's kind of how I approach it. But, um, the journey, it's funny, it's going to sound like a cop-out answer, but it's not. Um, I shoot what I love and that's been my biggest anchor point and, really isn't much deeper than that for me. So like, if you see, like, I've got a photo of um, on my Instagram of my buddy, Eddie, who's one of my favorite all time rappers, like he's, he's probably top five living and dead lyricists that I've ever met. Um, so he was having a rehearsal for a show he was putting on. And I'll, a lot of times I just like to watch for a little bit to see like what, what feels I'm not trying to make a great, I'm not looking at it going like, Ooh, this would be an awesome picture. Right. For me, when I pick up the camera, it's already a photo in my head. So like when I'm watching him rehearse and stuff, I'll see something be like, I love how he did that. Or like, that looks really neat. Like, so it's just about what connects with me. And I appreciate you. I really appreciate you. All artists do. Like I can pick out a joke piece. Like that's probably one of the biggest compliments, especially a photographer can get. And I think part of that is because, I shoot what I love. Like it, it has to connect with me and it's a photo in my head before I even pick up the camera. So I feel like that translates a lot because you're not going to see anything of mine that is, I'm doing it just, I don't know. Authentically. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm not doing anything just to pretend like, Hey, I can also do this thing. Like it, it's, it's got to connect with me. Yeah. No, I appreciate that a lot. I, I, I completely agree, honestly, because Similarly, I want to make sure that when I'm creating something, it's with intent, right? Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times there 
can be malintent when it comes to photography. Like there's commercial reasons. There are, you know, social media reasons to make certain things look a certain way or feel a certain way. And I don't really relate to that at all. Um, So I appreciate when someone comes to their artwork from an authentic place where they want to create for a specified reason, which is their own love of the work, which to me means the world from, from a creative process. Because if you're doing something without the added pressure of commercial access to it or money or whatever um it it comes through uh much more uh, authentic to who you are as a photographer um you know that being said from a commercial perspective you've had a pretty wonderful success in the nft space um i mentioned we met through the nft space i was sort of shocked to see how many people have collected your work i mean you've sold a fuck ton of nfts and that's so awesome talk to me about sort of what that whole you know relationship has been like for you with the nft space and the nft photography space and sort of how your experience has gone through creating uh digital art yeah it's it's been it's been cool and and interesting and weird and all the things in between right (laughs) yeah um Honestly, for me, I, th- I think it comes down to just being, again, like it, who you who you're listening to here is who I try to be everywhere, right? Like this is just me. Like I, I, I need to be able to lay my head down tonight, right? Like so, regardless of medium or uh, art or sales or anything, right? Like I need to be able to be comfortable, like going to bed at night, right? Mm-hmm. So that's tried. That's how I try to just operate in day to day life, and I think. I've been fortunate where some people have connected with that on a level be like, Oh, I appreciate you as an artist. Oh, look at this photo. This is pretty dope. Like I, I'd like to have this too. Um, so I, I think, I think part of it is just connecting with people who you can connect with that also like your art. So I, I, I wish I had some kind of like, I think that's part of the reason why it hasn't been like the next level up for me is because I don't have the, the strategy marketing brain to like, I mean, I'm sure I could learn it, but like, I'd rather spend my time doing something. Else. Yeah. Like <laughs> so, actually making work versus. Right. Right. You know, right. Um, yeah. So I, I think, you know, um, it, it's been, it's been cool because I've been able to get a lot of my, one of the ways I view the NFT space, and I, this may have helped a little bit too, is, you know, when I got on, people were talking about like, Oh, don't put too much out or only put like one or two pieces or else like people won't buy it because they'll think you're flooding your own market and all stuff. And there's, for me, there was a happy medium, right? It was, yeah, you don't want to like put on your entire archive of work and have 2000 photos out there for people to buy because you just be like, what is this, this is crazy. Um, but I want it to be a catalog. If we're talking about preserving our artwork on this blockchain technology and it's going to live forever and stuff like that. I want it to be like a catalog. I want people to look at it in 10 years. Like you said, like I did a deep dive in your work, Joe. And I, the, the breadth of all the things you photograph and I can still see your style in it. I want that same thing on here too. Right. So that I think also opened, opened the door a little bit more for like, if I had just done black and white portraiture, maybe a couple of people would have connected with it, but because I had that and music and a couple landscapes and, uh, you know, um, self portraits and all this other stuff out there, there were different 
things for people to look at and connect with that wouldn't have been available if I was just like, oh, I'm only supposed to put one thing out and hopefully somebody buys it eventually. Yeah. You mentioned that like from a creative perspective, like there was always a creative aspect to your life, whether it was acting um, and doing things when you're growing up and stuff. I know you spent some time in the military when you were sort of post high school in that like uh, time frame of say like 20 to 25 was like the idea of like being an actor or the idea of being a photographer, even like remotely any sort of concept in your own mind? No, no. <laughs> Part of the reason why. So uh, I'll caveat a little bit and say like, I do appreciate the people I met and what the military did for me. I think I've learned a lot about the United States and how the military operates where I don't have the same views as I did before I joined. Sure. Um, but it, I, part of the reason I joined was because I didn't know what I like. I hadn't, I remember waking up one day, I was living, I was living in my friend's apartment on his couch. That was my room was the living room and the couch was my bed. And I had a job and one of his other roommates was uh, a, a dealer and they would have parties like at like 3 a.m. in the living room, which was my room, yeah. right? Well, I have to get up for work. And I remember waking up one morning and I'd be like, what, what have you done, dude? Like to myself, like, what have you done? Like, what are you, what are you doing? Like like look look back on yourself and say like oh yeah i did that i'm proud of myself and so part of the reason i joined the military was like i probably could have done something different and accomplished the same thing but like i looked at it and said like you know boot camp is really really hard right and it's only you like it's you against the the mental aspect and the physical aspect and if you can if you can accomplish that that's pretty, that's pretty huge. And that's on you. And that's a cool, like thing to be proud of. And you get to go to college, you know, the, the, they get you with the college. Right. So that's, yeah. that's a part of the reason why I do it too. It's like, you know, I, it's something I can accomplish and look back on and be like, you did this, you got through this and like, Hey, now I go to college because like I said, college was the only way to, you know, get a job. Right. Like, so, um, that was, that was my reasoning, but so yeah, yeah creativity was never a part of like, yeah, it's funny. I, I, like, I, I didn't have a similar experience. I didn't join the military or anything like that. But I went through the whole process of like going to high school, going to college, getting that first job out of college. And like, I was always doing really random creative things on the side, like whether it was writing for an online blog or whatever I was doing. But I was always keeping it like very far out of mind because I was like, oh, I can't do those things. I'm John who needs to make a lot of money or John that right. needs to do XYZ. And it took a lot of time to sort of find the place where I was ready to accept the fact that I needed to be doing something else. Like I wasn't happy. I was failing miserably at life. And I just was like ultimately a bitter prick and like just not fulfilled at all. And it took like going through some really shitty times, you know, in the 2020 with the pandemic and everything for me to figure out that like I wanted so much more out of life. Right. There's mm -hmm. there's so much more that you can ask for yourself than just like waking up, going to work and like punching a clock. And I, I didn't have that sort of mentality of, oh, I'm going to be a photographer or, oh, I'm going to do this. But it eventually like sort of brought itself to me and I found it. And I, it's, it's been like the most rewarding experience of my life. And similarly with this podcast, for sure. Yeah, that's awesome. And I'm glad you that like it sucks to go through like perspective. Perspective is one of those things like don't you wish like sometimes when you talk to somebody you'd be like, if I could like just take this, the perspective aspect and just hand it to you and you can just put it in here like a little slot and be like, oh, that's what you're talking. Oh, okay. That, yeah. Because it's one of those things that unfortunately you have to go through like, mm -hmm. like, and nine times out of 10, it's rough. Like usually you gain perspective through challenge and yeah. change and, and loss and loss. Yeah. So, um, 
I was talking it to a, sucks, but it's great. Yeah, I was I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday who I recently had on the podcast, and you know she was on the podcast about three weeks ago, four weeks ago, and she, and when we had the podcast, she was like, "My life is great, everything's perfect, work is perfect, my my relationship, I'm engaged, like everything's great." And then she had like a couple rough weeks, and we were talking yesterday, and she was like, I, "You know, I I'm so bitter and I'm so pissed and I'm so like snippy at work and like ever I hate everyone like you know just like really just not happy." And she was like, how was it so short ago? I was like, so happy and so content. I was like, you got to realize like sometimes like going through really shitty stuff or like things that are like bringing you down are meant to be perspective providing so that when you have things that are good, you appreciate them a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. That's very true. And it's also like, it's also true to remember to give ourselves some grace and that like, and that our, our issues and other people's issues are valid. Right? Mm -hmm. Like one of the things that really messed me up when, so I, I got deployed to Iraq, right? So I was there for a year. When I got home, I remember standing in line at a grocery store and somebody was complaining about like the length of time in a line. And I, in my head, like, I didn't like do anything, but like in my head, I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah. Like, do you understand what I just, you know, like I literally was dealing with life and death every single day for a solid year. And you're complaining about like a line that's going to take you an extra three minutes or something. Right. Yeah. But one of the things that really helped me heal from that is that perspective of understanding like, oh, no, like that person didn't go through what you went through and it doesn't make their frustration any less valid. Sometimes things are like, you know, you got to be able to like let some shit go. But like at the same time, it's not for me to judge that. Right. Yeah. Like, they're, they're just venting out themselves in the same way that I would be for whatever issues are in my life. So I love that. that. Was... I love that perspective, dude. I think that is so crucially important. It's a time thing, right? So you spent a year in a place that must have felt like 10 times that amount of duration, yeah. right? It, it, you're like you said, you're literally dealing with life and death on a daily basis. It puts into perspective that the amount of time that we have is incredibly short and uh -huh. it allows you to like sort of create a little bit of breath for yourself on like everyday shit like that. I find myself getting frustrated over something and I immediately am able to like, you know, just being 37 and having lived through life, being able to snap myself out of it quickly because realizing it doesn't matter. Why am I going to get mad at the fucking cashier who's taking too long to count out my change? It's like, where am I rushing to? Like, there's nowhere I'm going. Nothing in life is a rush, but we have this like dumb monkey brain that makes us think that we have to be everywhere at a certain amount of time and everything's blah, blah, blah. It's like, that's not what it's about. And like, when you can appreciate things like you can to the fact that there's no guarantees, life is short. We need to be very happy and content with where we're at. It allows you to sort of take a breath and be like, okay, dude, I know you just cut me off and I want to crash into the back of your car, but it's not that serious. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. But I think, you know, like to also remember though, that like, you know, emotions are internal like triggers for external stimulus right Ooh. so like you feeling frustrated is that's why i said like it's valid right like it's the other thing is like we the perspective is a great thing but it can it sometimes i feel like for myself it tends to i have to really try to like balance it out like consciously because it can tend to get to the point where it over swings where it's like what's that matter it's like no sometimes things you're allowed to be angry you're allowed yeah. to be because the other thing is there's a flip side to those emotions and that's happiness and mm -hmm. fun, right? It's, it's the opposite of the, you know, um, frustrated and bored, right? Like, so if, if you, if you sweep away the, the, the emotions as well, that it's not a big deal, then the ones that you want to feel and you want to hold on to, um, to last a little bit longer to feel that they they're in the same boat mm -hmm. and you, you can tend to wipe those off the, the board as well. Do you so, think, 
do you think fatherhood has given you like a little bit more appreciation for that? Cause I feel like time as an adult changes a lot when you have kids, not that I have any, but all of my friends and family do. Um, but do you think like fatherhood has taught you that? Yeah, I, well, I think, so I think fatherhood has helped, has helped me refine my feelings on that. I think Iraq did that for me. Um, mm -hmm. unfortunately, <laughs> I wish it would have been fatherhood that would have been a little more of a joyful foundation for the perspective. Um, yeah. but I, you know, I being 22 and, and realizing, oh, I could lay down and just not get up in the morning. Like that's, and not just like in a rhetorical sense or like, oh, like a legitimate real thing. Like mm -hmm. that can happen to me and I would never know, right? Yeah. Like I could go to bed right now and that's it for me. Um, so internalizing that and working through that over the years, like ha has given me that. Um, and then fatherhood has helped me to like, understand the good aspects of time being fleeting, right? Um, you know, with, with each phase of the kids' lives, it's, there's pros and cons, right? Like when, when they're a kid, people are like, oh, hold on to the moments, don't make it rush. And that's true. But at the same time, the next moments give you different things. Like when they start to talk, they can say, I love you to you, right? So you have stuff to look forward to and stuff you miss. So it, it's helped me to try to understand the balance of what all that means. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I like that. I'm curious, does, has any of your past experience, whether it's deployments, whether it's trials, tribulations, how do you think it affects your work? Like, how do you build it into, or is it cathartic in any way? Like, do you utilize photography as a tool, as therapy, as an outlet? Like, how is it sort of like come full circle back to that? I think, I think my only outlet for it is choosing creative aspects that I have control over. Um, because within, you know, within the military and special deployment, like there's no control over your life, right? Like everyone else is controlling it and you got to do what you got to do. Mm -hmm. Um, so like with photography, I get to make the photo I want to make. I get to edit how I want to edit. I get to choose whether anyone sees it or not. Right. So like I have full control over that creative process. And for me, that's liberating. Like it's, it's, I, it's, it's my story to help tell. Um, and then same thing with like drawing, right? Like drawing is the same aspect. Like I get to decide what I draw. It's all in my head. I get to release it or not, et cetera, et cetera. Acting's a little different. There's a lot of gatekeeping, but I just like, you know, I, for me, it's fun telling a story with other people. Like that's more of a collaborative, like escape thing. Um, but I don't, it's funny. Cause I, I, it's never a conscious thought when I'm making my art. I think I have one project that I want to do that's associated with the military, um, telling stories for veterans type thing. Um, but that is that is like a project right like that's an idea and a vision i have to do but as far as like my day-to-day -day creative process i don't i don't if i'm sure it comes out in the sense of i look for opportunity and i just live in the moment for the thing so that's part of what we were just talking about with perspective and finding balance on your time here and not rushing it and not you know not being apathetic either so i think in how i create it's probably part of it but as far as like what and when and like the the content, like, I don't, I don't, I don't see much of it in it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. No, it's, I, that's fair. You know, I, I just, when I look at like, there are times where like when I'm going through shit, I'll notice that I'm having more dark images, more moody images when I'm mm. like feeling certain ways. Like if I'm happy, which is pretty often, I, I air towards more like airy and light and, you know, try to create that what I'm feeling. So like it does come into play where sometimes if I'm sad, I make sad images when I'm happy, I make sure. happy images. I'm, you know, I, I don't, 
a lot of the things that I've gone through in my life are trivial when you compare them to spending a year in Iraq, right? So it's hard to sort of like correlate the two, but I was curious sort of like how that unfolds um, in your own creative process. Yeah, I would say, I would say going back to like, they're not trivial though. Like yeah. you have to well, go with your own, right? You know, they're your, they're your struggles or your frustrations. And yeah. That's I mean, my, ther like my that. therapist would completely agree with you, Joe. So <laughs> <laughs> they actually hey. called me on the way and this was, where, this is why we're here, John. I <laughs> this is an intervention. <laughs> I'm super curious because like, uh, you know, as a photographer, I find myself most comfortable behind the camera. Um, mm. Being that you do acting as well, I would rather see nothing more than you have all the success in the world, but I can't relate to the feeling of wanting to be on the other side of things. Um, you know, being in front of the camera, acting, uh, performing, or even just having my picture taken. I fucking hate it. How is that sort of like happened? Because like, I, I found it much more common for people who are photographers to want to stick to this side of things versus like actually stepping out in front of it. So I'm curious, like how that happened for you. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I would say, I would say, honestly, though, I think you're probably, I mean, the podcast is a version of that, right? Like you're Reluctantly. like, it's <laughs> Reluctantly. sure, but you do a great job and you're, you know, you keep a conversation going. You're the one that's leading it, right? Like you're, it's the same as like kind of giving, you know, a speech at a, at a university or something, right? Like, but it's more one-on-one, -on -one, but you're, you're doing the same thing. You're telling a story, you're crafting something. So yeah. I would say you're doing it. It's not the same as acting, but it's, it's in the same realm. I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I honestly, like I, every time somebody asks me about acting, it's one of those things where I'm like, I, I don't know. I don't know. I just loved it. Like it's, it's the same, it's the same level that I felt when I picked up the camera. And it's weird for me because it was never on the board either. My friends got some cameras in 2014. Like I said, wanted to play with them. And I was like, ah, I got, again, I'm, I'm not shy. Like I don't mind talking to different people at any point, like, you know, and, or being by myself sometimes too. Right. Like I just kind of being me whenever I, whenever I can. So because they were friends and they're like, Hey, we want to film something. I was like, well, you need to, something to film. I'll be your something to film. Right. <laughs> oh, and it turned out horrible. Like it was a mess. It was a disaster. Like none of us <laughs> knew what we were doing, but like that led to, uh, one of the people in the group finding like a, uh, a film competition run by Bombay Sapphire Gym, right? Oh. They were like, oh, we've got this, you know, do a short film and, you know, submit the idea and stuff like that. So we filmed this whole black and white, like, auteur, <laughs> like, this this serial killer who ends up uh, in, in the midst of one of his murders getting uh, knocked out in the head and then seeing visions of the person he just murdered, that, almost like the telltale heart, basically, yeah. right? but the actual person being represented instead of like hearing the heartbeat. Right. So we do. And it's, it's, it's funny. It doesn't, we, again, we didn't know, it, but that led to a, a, a Baltimore uh, County uh, film uh, thing that is called um 48 hour film festival. And basically you, you get a team together, you meet on a Friday night, they give you, you pick a genre out of hat and then you have 48 hours to write, film edit and physically hand in a short film and then they screen it and give awards and all this stuff right so we did that my buddy and i started writing we the, i also learned screenwriting through all this too by the way <laughs> so um so we wrote we wrote the short film we started in it and i remember sitting in in the base we had a basement scene we were tied up with burlap sacks over our head and it was the middle of july and it was hot and we had to turn the air conditioners off because they were loud and i remember sitting in this burlap sack going like this is cool as shit like this is so much fun like i loved it this is awesome like here i am just creating a story out of nothing with my friends 
and then finding a way to tell it visually, like from stuff we wrote down that just came out of you know our own head. And so I was like, this is this is pretty cool. I like this a lot. Yeah. And that's that's literally how it all came to be. Is I just had the moment where I was like, this is dope. I like it. I mean, listen, I, I think that's an awesome story. I think that it stems a little bit more in my head to the collaborative process. Like, cause I like, I like the act of collaboration with creative mm. people too. Um, it just doesn't extend to in front of the camera. Like, <laughs> I think that's great. I would just like to be the guy who's like, okay, Joe, put this fucking hot sure. burlap sack on your face. So it's a hundred <laughs> degrees in July and, yeah. and go nuts. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think that's cool though. It's, it's funny how I, I think, when you get older, you realize a lot of people would like to be doing different things than like their standard nine to five and mm. the creative life while incredibly difficult and the, the, the parameters for success are so broad and so wide. It is also wildly fulfilling because it's so hard to do. If everyone could do it, it wouldn't be as fulfilling as it is. And it's because there's like that barrier to success that I think when you find the things that you love, they just fill you up that much more because you get to do just so much different wild and cool shit. I would say too another barrier to 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 the to the creative aspect is being in connection with yourself, mm-hmm. right? Like both of us talked about why we're creating. Like you saying, like I through the pandemic and all this stuff happened, I realized I needed something more, and you found it in this, right? Me saying I wanted control over my creative aspect and, and the things that I wanted to tell stories about, right? And I I feel like if if we as humans could spend a little bit more time introspectively looking at that aspect of ourselves, the tough conversations or like, why am I feeling this way? Or like, what is the thing that will give me that release or that joy or that contentment? Right. So I think part of the barrier is people look at it as, you know, there's a lot of commodification with the art too, right? Like, Oh, if I do this, I can sell it. Like that's the most question people get. If they showed you something they knitted, be like, Oh, do you also sell those on Etsy? It's like, do I have to sell them on Etsy? Like, yeah. can I just create some cool shit that I love doing? Right. Like that's cool too. Um, so I think part of it is people approach it from that aspect, which isn't wrong, but it's wrong if you want it to be fulfilling because yeah. it's got to come from here, right? It's got to come internally first. And you have to have that conversation with yourself first of like, what does that look like for me? To, um, to- totally. I, I think that's so crucially important because like even from my own photography perspective, like the way my career has sort of like evolved over the last three years is like I'm doing a lot of things outside of just taking pictures. And most of the work that I do from a photography perspective is personal work and the the client work that I do typically moves into like more marketing and social media content creation and things like that, that I, I never thought I'd be doing that kind of stuff, but it's been from a business perspective so much better, but not like creatively filling. So like while I'm making more money doing things outside of like the art of photography, it's also opened up the ability for me to take more pictures, to rent cooler studio spaces, to just be all around more successful in my art because I'm now creating with a bigger budget and and having more opportunities to work with more diversified groups of people. Um, But when you don't like give yourself the space to figure out what that success looks like or, or define what a path in towards a creative career is successful, you'd limit your ability to do that. And I, for a while I was self-limiting on a scale that was crazy. I could only pay my bills, right? If I was making the money, taking pictures, or if I was shooting for this client or that client or this, I made, I, I put myself into a box that like almost fucking bankrupted me. I was just being stupid and, and ignorant for no reason. And I like that you said that because it's crucial. It's, it's vital to being successful in what you do, like without question, completely. Yeah. Yeah. I like, one of my goals is to 
be able to pay my bills as an artist. But what I mean, like I could technically do that now. Mm-hmm. I have a nine to five. I'm very fortunate to have a nine to five that's not creative at all. Like I'm a project manager, right? I just happen to be really good at it. Um, but it's not what I want to be doing, right? Yeah. But it allows me to create. Technically, I could go be a full time photographer tomorrow, but I'd have to do weddings, right? And not that there's anything like wedding photographers. Please don't take this wrong. I, me, I don't like it's. It doesn't fulfill me, I right? So try. I knew if I did that, that it would it would actually be detrimental to my creative process and my mental health. Dude, I, so, com- I completely yeah. 100,000% agree because same. I, same. Yeah. I don't have a nine to five. I, I do everything as freelance like my own. I own a digital marketing company and a photography company in this podcast. Like I do everything on my own, but I could go shoot weddings. I get asked to do weddings right. and shit all the time, but it would suck the life out of me. And, and that's for me. Like there are, right. for- yeah, there are wedding photographers that make hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. They're fucking killing it. But it's and they love, fucking love it too. And, and they, they love, love it. it too. Yeah, that's and the I, big part. And I love that for them. That yeah. that's them. They they can do that. Yeah. I just it's not I'm so glad you said that because and I think it, a lot of times like you get a bad rap if you number one don't want to shoot weddings and stuff like that. Like people are like, Oh, what are you too good for? And I'm like, No, I just I know it's not for me. Like right, right. there are people who are professional and they do this for a reason. I'm not that mm. and it, yeah. and I, and that's okay. Yeah, 100%. Um, you mentioned commercial success. I, I would like to tick back to the NFT stuff for a second because, I mean, dude, not for nothing, pretty fucking cool. You sold an NFT to Seth Green. That's pretty fucking cool. How many people could say that, right? What what yeah. Was that like sort of like a pinch me moment for yourself? Like when you're looking at like, holy shit, I just sold an NFT to like a incredibly famous human being. Like what, what did that feel like? Uh, it was it, so, yeah, definitely, definitely surreal. But what's interesting with that. And hopefully, you know, if he ever hears this, hopefully he doesn't mind telling the story. But um, again, him and I were talking unrelated to NFTs. Like we had met in a space, same way you and I had, right? Like I got up on stage and the first time I ever met him, I remember telling him um, that Can't Hardly Wait's one of my favorite, like all time comedies. Like I fucking love that movie. And I said, I said, dude, and and I know, you know, he was the actor, not the writer, but I said, dude, you're, you're lying. Why you always got to be wasting my flavor? It's something that me and my friends said way more than any like teenage, you know, kid should have been saying like, it's just cringy. Um, but like, just, I just wanted to show, like, tell him that like, I appreciated, you know, him as an actor and just like, I I grew up with him. Right. Like that kind of thing. Um, and then we just kind of stayed in contact, just talking life and stuff like that. Right. Um, and he he brought it up one day. He was interested in the power plant series I was doing. He was like, that looks really cool and stuff like that. I was like, oh, thanks. He's like, you're going to mint it. I was like, yeah, that's, yeah, I'm definitely going to mint it. He was like, oh, let me know when you do it. I was like, okay. And for, in my head, I wasn't like, oh, so that's going to buy my, you know, thing. I was just like, he wants to know when it's out there in the world. Maybe he'll like, you know, I, I don't know. Like literally it didn't cross my mind that he was like going to buy it. And then I minted it and I just messaged him. I was like, oh, you told me to let you know when it was meant. He's like, all right, cool. I'm going to get it. I was like. So I say what now? Say what now? Really? And I was like, okay. Um, yeah. And then, so that was, that was cool. It was, it was, again, I think it's so important to be authentically yourself, right? Because. But is there any, is there any aspect of that? Like when you, you've been collected by some very well-known collectors in the space, let alone, you know, famous human beings like Seth Green, is there validation that comes with that? Or because you come from it from a very sort of humble, authentic place, it's just like a cherry on top of some being able to, you know, be happy that you just get the opportunity to create this stuff. 
So I would say it's both. You know, I'm a human being. Like, even with all this perspective and the things I've gone through in life, I'm a person. So, John, if you were to say, like, God, Joe, this, this photo really speaks to me. I love it. I'd be like, dude, thank you. Like, that's amazing. But I keep it I, – I try to keep it – again, we were talking about clearing from the board the, the, the frustration and happiness. I try to keep it, them close to the same level, right? And it's a, it's a habit. It's, it's, a, it's a thing that you have to continually work on through me. I'll keep, it's a thing I have to continually work on through my whole life, right? So if you were to say that to me, it would mean a lot because I'm a person and it feels good. Like you get the dopamine rush, like, if, but it feels good in the same way that if you were to say, Joe, you really suck as a photographer. I wouldn't go, oh my God, maybe I do. I shouldn't create anymore. I'd be like, well, why do you think that, John? Like, yeah. what, why, what, what's your take on that? And you'd be like, because this would be like, all right, well, that's cool. That's your opinion. I would never, I don't take any of those down to my core, like yeah. the, 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 the validation or the invalidation, it never hits my, it never hits my self-worth. It always Ooh. hits the surface level of this is your taste or your opinion. And that's valid and cool. And I may be upset about it or I may be happy about it, but it doesn't hit my foundation. Like Dude. it's not going to stop me from creating or why I create or what I create. I love that. That like, I've only learned this in, I want to say the last year, six months to a year that like the the belief that like what's meant for me is going to find me and the things mm. that are meant to be part of my life are going to be part of my life and yeah. that comes from everything from like relationships to how people interact with my work right like whether someone loves something or hates something it doesn't affect me the way that it used to yep. on both ends it, it it all feels good and it all doesn't feel bad which i think comes with time and understanding that what you just said is just so crucially important because at some point you develop that self-worth that doesn't get impacted by other people's opinions of you. I mean, granted it matters. There are instances sure. where those things matter, but if you are comfortable enough to be very knowledgeable about who you are, other people's opinions and the world's interpretation of what you're doing matter less to, to, a, yeah. to a positive perspective. Yeah. The, the, the way I try, the way I try to look at it analogy wise is like, you know, my self-worth is never external. Right. So that's my foundation, right. My foundation of my house and that's all inside. Right. I have to discover what that means to me, what it looks like, how I feel about like, that's all inner work. Right. It has nothing to do with anybody else. Mm -hmm. It's gotta be me. And then from that, like you build a house is the ex is the external facing aspect of what you're building on. Right. So, if I were to have Joe Meyerowitz, who's a great photographer myself, be like, favorite Joe, you're, you're kind of shit. You need to work a lot better at it. Would that hurt me? Yeah. I'm a human being and a creative. Of course I'd be like, Oh man, that sucks. Right. But I wouldn't go, maybe I shouldn't create anymore. Right. So maybe it knocks down part of the house, but my foundation is still there. Like, right. and that's where everything sits for me is the foundation. Yeah. So nobody, nobody can touch that, but me, I'm the only one that can change what that feels like and what that looks like and how how i value myself i'm the only one that could do that nobody else can do that to me that statement has me wondering do you know how long or like at what point you felt like your foundation was solid like do you like when you when when did you feel like okay the my foundation's set and done and i can start building upon it like do you know when that may have felt like it happened so I, I, I probably can't pinpoint it. I would say it's just, all, again, it comes down to the perspective, the whole th all the things we go through in life. I think I'm very fortunate to grow up. You know, my parents, like I said, they didn't, the creative aspect wasn't monetarily supported, but I had very supportive and loving parents, 
right? Um, I mean, I hugged and gave my dad a kiss on the cheek all like when he dropped me off in front of high school and shit. Like we didn't care about. It's because you're Italian. <laughs> well, that too. <laughs> right, the Italian object definitely comes. Yes, one hundred percent. That's genetic. Yeah. Um, it's the same thing if you see my hands. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but it was it was a probably a um, not explicitly outwardly said thing of not caring what other people thought like um, to an extent, right? Like we live in a society, you have to like live in a society with other human beings, but like, as far as their perception of you or their own stories that make up about you shouldn't affect who you really are. Right. So that was always kind of expressed like through actions through my life growing up. Right. Um, we were, you know, we lived in Philadelphia and the neighborhood we lived in, we were the only non-Jewish family in a fully Jewish neighborhood. And it was the best place I ever lived, right? Uh, we would sit down and say their dinners with our friends and stuff like that. Like, but it was never, it was never a difference of uh, humanity. It was a difference of like practices and culture and stuff like that. So it never, they didn't view us that way. It's like, oh, you're outsiders and stuff like that. And we didn't view anybody else that way. So like all the actions in my life kept like building on that understanding of don't worry about what other people think of you. Like if you can be authentically you, if you have respect and integrity and, you know, you can lay your head down at night, that's what matters. Like we're not here forever. Like mm -hmm. why, why spend the time caring about what other people think of you? Yeah, that's a, that's a wildly important perspective. I think when you, when you look at what you said, that's more the norm. I think it's more common for people in everyday life to be like very understanding and acceptable of other people. Mm -hmm. And it's only when you yeah. like get that fucking stupid phone in your hand that things change, right? No, I mean like uh, yeah. Yeah. Keyboard, keyboard warriors, right? I think when you get step outside of real life and into that digital space, mm -hmm. that's where things change to a detrimental perspective. Um, but yeah, man, I think that's that's so important. I, I, I I've just started in say the last three to four years. I think finished my foundation. Like I, mm. I am so comfortable in my own skin. I'm comfortable in the things that I create. I'm comfortable in the relationships that I cultivate and I found a path that works for me. And I think it's just something that takes time and yeah. everyone's timetable and schedule is different and it could happen at 16 and it can have a, happen at 60, but eventually you sort of find that, that happy medium of contentment and sort of uh, still desire to do whatever it is that makes you happy. I'm happy you said contentment too, right? Like I hear, I hear a lot. And again, this is other people and that's fine, but like people use happiness a lot, which is fine because you know, it's, there's also colloquial words, right? Like it's easy to say happy than content, right? But for me, I want to try to carve out pockets of contentment in my life, not look for happiness. Because happiness to me is the same as like frustration or being angry and stuff like that. Bitterness is the opposite of contentment for me, right? So like if I can look at like a scale of my life, I want to see big chunks of contentment, right? Mm. Like that's what I want to look at. Dude, um, dude, I'm sorry to interrupt you. Do you know how important no, it is you can... just said that to me? Because... I have reached a point in my life where I am so happy. I, mm -hmm. I have the best life. I am so happy. I am not content at mm -hmm. all. And I've reached the point where how do you rectify the fact that I have everything that I could ever possibly hope for and dream. My life is, by all intents and purposes, perfect. I'm happy, but I'm not content. So it's like, when do you reach that? middle ground that breaking point that culminating spot where happiness and contentment meet 
because mm -hmm. I'm I'm having a hard time figuring that out. And I think it's normal. Like I'm not I'm not yeah, worried yeah. about it. I, I've just happened to reach a point where everything's great, but I'm mm -hmm. not feeling I don't know if fulfilled's the word because I'm happy. And I think happiness and fulfillment kind of go hand in hand to some degrees, but I'm not content. And I've been talking about it a lot recently on my podcast because I'm trying to figure out, well, if I'm starting to check all these boxes that I've, you know, created for myself, goals, hopes, dreams, and I'm going down this list and I'm being like, yep, did that. Yep, did that. Yep, did that. But I'm not feeling content. I need to figure out how that happens. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, that's a really good question. And I, for me, for me, contentment isn't, isn't a point to be reached, right? That's why I said, like, I want to see pockets of contentment because it's not going to stay, mm -hmm. right? But for me, there's a deeper, like you said, when happiness meets fulfillment versus, you know, like it becomes this deeper thing, right? And I want to be able to try to, because to me, contentment would be, like you said, I'm feeling happy and I got all these things going on. But if something were to hit you sideways a little bit, right, would it, would it, would it take away all those feelings and understandings of what's actually real in your life? If it would, then it's probably closer to happiness. If it wouldn't, but just kind of like stick in there like a, like a sliver a little bit where it's like, ah, damn, this kind of sucks. Right. But it doesn't push everything else out. That's what I mean by contentment, right? Like you can still recognize and feel the deeper level of where you are and who you are when things, little things come up and kind of like try to knock that stuff away. I think then I might be content. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's what yeah. it is. It's because it, it, it's, it's first off, it's going to be different for everybody. Right. But it's also, again, like I said, I, I don't believe it to be a place we reach. I think it's like recognizing those moments and kind of like just making sure you internalize them the same way that you, we tend to internalize the negative way more than the positive. Right. So the same way you internalize like a grudge or something that you have with somebody like, oh, that motherfucker, like if he would have called me like two years ago, we would have worked this out. And I said, you know, you still think about it and you're like, why is that still here? Right. We don't do that as much with joy or happiness and stuff to where we internalize it to the level that it's, it feels that deep in us that we do with stuff that upsets us. Right. Yeah. But if we can try, cause it's a conscious, I'm, I'm of the mind that everything is habit, good and bad for the most part. Right. Like gratitude's a good one, right? Like you see, we'll, we'll use the NFT space. You see your friends making tons of sales and stuff like that. And if your first reaction is like, oh, fuck that. Like why, why nobody's buying mine, right? Then you probably got to look at yourself a little bit and be like, why am I angry? If you're angry because you're not selling, that's cool. But that has nothing to do with them. That's yep. a new thing, mm -hmm. right? So you can still, if you like the person and you appreciate them and you're happy, you just happen to have a moment of like, ah, come on. Then still practice gratitude and give them the celebration and like give, give them props. The more you do that, the more it becomes part of your character and who you are, mm -hmm. right? In the same way that if we can recognize those moments of contentment and try to internalize it, the more it becomes habit to where we do recognize them and we can say like, oh, I, I want to hold on to this for a little bit. I'm going to feel this. Um, I want it to sit deeper than a passing moment. Yeah. No, I think that's great. I think that actually provides me a little bit more clarity that I probably am more content than I give myself credit mm -hmm. for. I think the likelihood is that I'm still searching for more, right? And what that more right. is, is not like things or um, mm -hmm. stuff or whatever. There's still more out of life that I want to accomplish and have that makes me feel like I may be searching for more, but maybe it is just a deeper desire to find something else, something sure. 
beyond what I already have, which I think, I think that perspective actually has really helped me a lot just in this conversation. Um, because that thought process of turning some of those happy moments and happy feelings into a habit of creating that feeling and a tie it to a level of contentment could maybe be beneficial for me moving forward. I like that. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Dude, I, uh, Man, I could talk to you for hours. I, I, I you know, it's it, it's crazy. It's crazy because I think what's funny is like the the commonality that I've had in this podcast is being able to have conversations with creative people, and and a lot of these conversations start talking about art and photography mm-hmm. and music and whatever it is that they do, and they ultimately morph into the conversation we just had, which is a lot about finding happiness and and mm-hmm. understanding and growth in one's life. And I'm incredibly appreciative that you took the time out to come chat with me today, man. I, I'm a big fan of yours as just on a human level and as an artist level. Um, I have a cheesy line. If you've been on my podcast, you're part of my family. And uh, yeah, man, thanks so much for coming on. It's been a, been a real pleasure. No, John, this is super dope. Insane. I could talk to you, bro. Like, I love these conversations, man. Like, I, I love doing this with friends. So yeah. thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, no sure. problem, man. My pleasure. Take care.